Crop Talk TV podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco Morning Show. I am your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker, and I appreciate you guys joining me on this beautiful Friday morning. It's a little frigid. When it's, <laughs> that's how you know I ain't used to really being in the cold like that. I started using words like frigid. It's a little frigid this morning. All right. It was like, four, you know, 30 some degrees, 40 some degrees, or whatever. It's all the same to me. It's all the same to me. But good morning. Good morning to everybody out there. I hope everybody's having a blessed one. I want to take a more positive spin to everything today. Be positive. I do have a couple of things I want to address before we really jump into it. All right. But first, make sure, if you're not already, uh, listen to the Locked On 49ers uh, podcast. Myself, my co-host, Brian Peacock, we have Benjamin Solak on there. And he discussed the, you know, his kind of view of the 49ers and, you know, why he wrote the article and all that. So Benjamin Solak, he wrote the article that we went over a little bit of it yesterday, but we talked a little bit more about it on the podcast. So if you haven't already, go check out the latest episode, Locked On 49ers. Also, Locked On NFL Draft with myself and Rob Rang. Uh, we talk about some draft prospects. It's always draft season, baby. It's always draft season. Maybe uh, you know, some guys at 49ers might be able to get in the second round, DBs to kind of help. We'll talk about that. Uh, we ain't thinking about the draft yet. There's still a season left, and there's still a way to turn this season in the right direction. We ain't dead yet, y'all. We ain't dead. But good morning to everybody. Good morning. I see the flames coming in. Everybody's feeling good. That's awesome. I see it's payday for Brad. Let's go. Get your money. All right. Hey, yesterday, um, there's this, there's this uh like SUV my, my wife has been eyeing. And she she was like, oh, let's just go like, let's just look at it. So we went, we looked at it. It's like a 2018 uh, GMC Denali or whatever, right? And I told my wife, I was like, look, so we have like multiple rooms in our house. Uh, if I didn't have two separate Wi-Fi's, I would show y'all, but hey. Are you talking about me? Well, yeah, I was talking about how you, so I, I, I had a proposal to my wife. And I told her that if she, what I said, I said, if you give me the downstairs room, I would, and for my, to turn into a man cave, I'd get you the vehicle. It's not gonna happen. She says it's not gonna happen, y'all. So, um, it's a huge room for one person to be in a man cave. No. It's a huge room. That's why, that's why it should be a man cave. No. You have to start your own. There, there, there's so much space in that room, you don't even know what to do with it. It's she doesn't know what to do with it, y'all. So, um, do you want to talk about what it's like to be married to somebody that's obsessed with sports? So today's <laughs> supposed to be positive. Yeah, you have to go on camera. The camera's right there. You just join me. You just sit next to me. You don't have any makeup on. Sick. Nobody cares if you don't have makeup on or if you're sick. Hold on, y'all. Let's let's pan out a little bit. All right, here we go. So we got we got Mama Crocky here. Um, here's the mic right here. I have to talk into it. You don't have to talk into it. I think they can hear us just fine. Oh, okay. All right, so we got Mama Crocky here. She says don't don't uh, make fun of her because she doesn't have makeup on right now. And I'm sick. And she's sick. Okay. Anyways, nobody cares. All right, so <laughs> somebody said live TV. So 
do you want to talk a little bit about, because there are, I'm pretty sure there are other people here that are married and we have women in here. So we got Peachy in here. She was out in Philadelphia with us, but I don't know if Peachy's married or her relationship status, but there are people that are married to people obsessed with sports. Clearly I'm obsessed with, I'm Is obsessed that what with. what you call it? What do you call it? I don't even know. <laughs> it's so far beyond obsessed that uh, it's like a lifestyle. I don't know. It's a lifestyle. Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> so she used to get on me a lot, right? And I'm going to tell you guys about like just kind of my process of really turning this whole thing like podcasting and all that. But um, I like I used to be on my phone all the time. I mean, I'm still on my phone all the time. He has a man cave. Don't let him fool you. He has a man cave. I see all the comments. Let the man have his his uh, man cave. He has a man cave. He just wants to turn the biggest room in the house into a man cave and leave all the rest of us with this little itty bitty living room. So that is not true. That is true. I'm the only he one. Have, he has a room for his man cave. He just doesn't want to use it. I'm the only one that's ever watching TV in that room. Because I don't have all my furniture in there yet. And I'm in nursing school. When do I have time to sit down and watch TV? Guys, sounds like a bunch of excuses to me. I'm looking at the comments. I think they agree with me. Well, of course they agree with you. It's like guy code. No, there's a woman in here. Man cave should be the biggest room in the house. Thank you, Bill. Absolutely not. It's not happening. Yes, it is. Bill said, Bill said that it should happen. It's not gonna happen. So moving all right. On. Anyway, so can you talk to them a little bit about uh, what it's like to be married to someone that is obsessed with sports? Like, what do you what do you go through on a daily basis? Because I'm pretty sure some of them go through it, and maybe they don't recognize it. But what's um, it like? Come a little bit closer. I think it to start. It just takes a special type of person to be with somebody who um, is obsessed with sports like you are I don't think it's for every woman um I think it takes a certain type of person and I'm not saying I'm not bragging about myself but I'm just saying in general it takes somebody who understands that like that's what he loves um it was hard in the beginning it took a few years for me to really just be like okay like Pick and choose your battles, Stevie. Like you can either have a man who is out running the streets in the club every night doing God knows what, or you can have a man who's home watching football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday <laughs> um, on his phone a lot. I mean, I, I swear I wake up in the morning, you guys, before the kids even are awake and the alarms go off and I look over and his phone is lit up and he's watching something football related. Like, so it's like you kind of just have to choose what kind of what kind of man do you want to be with? Are you going to be frustrated because he's watching football all the time and he's talking about football all the time? And yeah, I've, I've tried to dive into that whole world and understand what he's talking about, but I just kind of... She, she just learned... First of all, she watched me play football, all right? She watched me play, but she's just now learning uh, what goes into getting a first down. <laughs> so, so like I understand like the basics of football like I grew up watching football like I'm a Raiders fan I've always I grew up a Raiders fan these are all 49 fans it's okay like, but sorry I'm I'm a diehard Raiders fan always will be 
Um, so I, I grew up watching the game. Like my brother played football. I watched him play football. So I understand like the basics, but all that extra detail stuff. I'm just like, I don't know. I, I still don't understand the whole first down thing, but whatever. If, if you get a touchdown, you get a touchdown. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's hard. It takes a, a while to adjust to being with somebody who just lives and breathes sports. And a lot of my family members don't understand it. Like I know my dad had a hard time in the beginning too, because he felt like, you know, that was like more important to Eric. And, but it is what it is. Like I said in the beginning, like I would much rather be with somebody who's home and obsessed with sports than wondering where he's at all the night, all the time. And you know what I mean? So it, it takes, it's, it takes a special type of person. Cause I have friends who have like reached out to me and they're like, how do you do it? I can't do it. He's on his phone all the time. He's playing Madden all the time. Or all he does is watch football. All he cares about is football. And I have to tell them like, okay, well, would you rather be with somebody who's home glued to the TV talking about football all the time? Or do you want to wonder where your man is every night? So that's kind of how I look at it. So also um, I, I brought you up the other day because I was talking about the 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan, right? And Kyle Shanahan, he's extremely stubborn and it almost feels like he's not, he doesn't get challenged to the point of understanding that he can be a better version of himself. Right. So I talked about how stubborn I was early in our relationship. I still can be stubborn, but how I've kind of learned a little bit of kind of give and take. Right. Can you, can you talk a little bit about like how I've changed in some of the things that like maybe how I used to be just my mindset and how that's changed over time. And that could possibly be something that like benefits uh, Kyle Shanahan, you don't have to bring up Kyle Shanahan, but just in general of uh, just being in a relationship. Cause right now as 49er fans, we're all in relationships with Kyle Shanahan. We are in a relationship with him, whether we want to be or not. Right? <laughs> I know it sounds weird, okay. but pause, but um, 49, 49er fans, we're in a relationship with him and he's extremely stubborn, but somebody has to tell him that he could become a better version of himself. So I kind of, I brought that up and how I was earning our relationship and how hard that was. Yeah. But eventually we work through it. So Yeah. So like my biggest thing with like stubborn people in general, like, and I tried to teach him this in the beginning, but it's for stubborn people. It doesn't click right away. Um, so when we first started dating, it was his mentality was like, I am who I am. Take it or leave it. Like, if you don't like it, there's the door. And I tried to like get him to understand like you can still be true to who you are and like evolve and be a become a better person. Um, but for somebody who is stubborn, that doesn't like happen overnight. So it took him quite a few. <laughs> it took him some years. Um, but now that I look at him and it's like he still is that person that I date. I started dating what eight years ago yeah. nine years, something like that eight years ago um but he's just a better version of himself and with that he's blossomed like he's become a better person not just for himself but for his family his marriage his friends um so I think that's the hardest thing getting stubborn people to understand is that you can still remain true to who you are but evolving and becoming a better person is amazing as well so Thank you. 
Thank you for addressing that. All right, so that was it. Are you dismissing me now? Yeah, you okay. Can. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mama Crocky right there, y'all. That was a. Uh... All right, hold on. Get it set up. Thanks, babe. That was off, off the cusp. Uh, that was not something that was like planned or anything like that. She just was coming in. I don't know what she was talking about, but she heard me talking about her, about uh, trying to, you know, hey, like, so the way our house is set up, I see somebody said garage. We don't have a garage. I wish I could take my phone because I actually stream off of my phone. Uh, one of my phones. I have another one right here that's charging. But um, so the way it's set up is, it, and I would show you guys, but I have a, like, I have a wife, I have a, a modem set up in here, and then we have different Wi-Fi for the rest of the house, because the house is kind of, it's kind of, I don't want to say we have, like, this big old house, but it's it's spread out, <laughs> good amount. Um, so, yeah, I got a Wi-Fi set up specifically in my office. All right, now, we don't have a, technically, a garage, all right, we have uh, a carport or whatever. And then, um, but we have like multiple rooms, right? So we have like this outdoor room, which is pretty cool. It's probably one of my favorite spots to be in. It's, uh, we call it the sun room, all right? But it's just like these giant screens. And it's set up, we have like outdoor patio in there. And, you know, we've got the TV, uh, the plasma TV on the wall and all that stuff. And it's really cool. Got the brick, got the fireplace set up, the whole thing. Um, that's probably one of my favorite rooms to be in. But in terms of making it a man cave, like there's only one area where I can have a TV and I want multiple TV set up. All right. So then uh, we have, you walk in and we have like, you know, your standard family room, living room, whatever. It's not like huge though. And then if you go around and you go down the steps, there's another like room, right? So the family room set up, same thing, Plat TV on the wall, fireplace, all that. Then you go around and there's this room where you kind of walk down into and that one is the biggest room and got the, it's the same thing, fireplace, TV set up, all that surround sound speakers and ceiling. Cool. Great room. Now it's a huge room though. And she wants to like decorate, decorate it and like into like this. And I'm like, nah, like this needs to be the man cave. I want to, I want to put like a door right there to where you have to like open the door to get in. Like I want to do all that right now. There's just like a doorway. But, uh, I actually said like, look, I'll get you a new car if you let me have this as a man cave. And I want to put like four plasmas on the wall. Like I want to deck it out. And she ain't feeling it, man. She is not feeling it. She's not feeling it. She won't let me do it, y'all. I even, I, I, I offered to get her a car. I offered to get her a car and she was like, no. So anyways, appreciate everybody that's in here right now. Obviously, uh, if you're just getting in, maybe you missed my wife. My wife was just in here and we're just, you know, that was off the cusp, man. That was a uh, spontaneous, I guess you could say. But today we're going to talk a little bit about the 49ers, uh, some positives with the team. I wanted to be more positive today. I had somebody in my on, on the YouTube channel comment and say, Croc, like, oh, I missed, I missed the old Croc. Like, this new Croc, it's like clickbait. Like, d like you know, basically it's not like the, the content that he's looking for. And I would say this. And I, oh, here we go. Contribution, expand the Medicaid. Hey, Ronnie, I appreciate it. I'm gonna tell her, man. Like, hey, Ronnie contributed uh, contributed fifty dollars today, so we have to get the man cave. <laughs> we gotta get the man cave, All right. But uh, I appreciate that. I'm gonna leave that up for a while. So, 
Yeah, we're gonna. There, there are some positives on a on a three and five team. Forty nine are three and five, right? Uh, but somebody was in the comments, and that and that was what they said. Like Croc, like we missed. Like I want the real content, like the stuff you give. And I will say, this platform here, and there will be videos of breaking down things, uh, getting into technique work. And I know that's how like I came up through this game. Um, a lot of people, you know listen to me for, you know, just the different takes on the 49ers, but more on team building and things like that. I get it. This, this morning show though, and there will be other aspects of this channel that relate to those things. But this morning show is more like a, a radio show, right? Where, man, we come on. So it is going to be a little bit more quote unquote dramatic, right? Uh, it is going to be more of getting you, you guys on and hearing your, your takes like just like a caller would call in on the radio, um, this is more for that. You know, it's about legitimately what's going on with the team. So it's not just like pure, you know, uh, the things that if you guys follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker, a lot of my takes on there are like, you know, technique things, you know, what the receiver's thinking, what the DB is thinking. Like this show is a little different. Again, it's more like a morning show. Like if you were to call in the KMBR or you were to call into 95-7 the game, uh, and, and, you know, as a fan, you come on or, or the topics that they talk about, which we're, we're going to get into Jalen Hurd, who is waived Odell Beckham to the Rams, but there are some positives going on with the team. And I do want to, I do want to get to that. All right. So again, appreciate everybody saying here, we got a hundred people in here now. Some of y'all missed mama Crocky, man. Y'all missed my wife. She was on here for a little bit. All right. So, um, let's get straight to it guys. Jalen Hurd. Let me zoom in a little bit. Jalen Hurd was waived, if you didn't know. And it's tough because when the when the 49ers and my guy Jasper Rose, Jasper Rose hit me, right? 49ers drafted Debo Samuel. He was upset. He was upset. And I'm like, listen, don't worry. They're going to draft a big receiver. Don't worry about the whole uh, – uh, Debo Samuel thing. He's a dog. I loved him. Debo was my my wide receiver two in that class. So I had DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown. All right. I loved all three. Loved them. Loved them. I would have taken DK Metcalf. All right. But when people were asking me about this at the time, crop, who the 49ers taking? I said, hold on. Let's see if I can find it. I know I can find it on Twitter. See, I like, I like how Twitter, Twitter, uh, Helps me, it helps me uh with the receipts. Let's see, Eric Crocker, Hart, DK, Metcalf. Let's see. Let's see if it'll pop up. All right, here we go. Let's go. See, I knew it. I knew it. Here we go. So let me share my screen. Share screen. That's pretty cool about, about uh, Twitter. It helps you keep the receipts for good or for bad, right? So right here, let's see. Are you guys able to see this? I don't know if I'm able to zoom in, but the person had asked, he said, who do you think we should take at 36, Croc, if available? AJ Brown? Question mark. I said, my heart says DK, but my brain says Debo Samuel. All right. My heart says DK. That was who I wanted. My brain says D, uh, Debo. And my guy Jasper is right here. He says, um, I'm going to be livid if we take baby Aquan <laughs> Bowling Debo at 36. 
All right. Now he wants a big receiver. He wants a big, fast guy. Um, and that was what that's what my guy Jasper wanted. All right, let me remove this. All right, but um, that was what he wanted. But I was just looking at Debo and I love Debo. I love this game. I just had DK higher. All right, and I think you would be good with either one. Clearly, right now, Debo Samuel's killing it, but D DK was my guy. All right. Anyways, uh, so when the 49ers did draft Debo, my guy Jasper, he was a little upset by that. And he he was like, I'm upset. Like, why did I get this little receiver? Like, all the receivers they have are smaller. Like, where's the big dog? And I'm like, don't worry, they're gonna draft a big receiver. I thought it was gonna be Hakeem Butler. But come to find out, it ended up being Jalen Hurd. So I'm like, Jalen Hurd? I watched somebody post a clip of Jalen Hurd run a route. And I'm like, hmm, okay, interesting. Only Jalen Hurd I know is the running back from Tennessee. But I see this receiver at Baylor. Let me watch his film. So I watched Jalen Hurd's film. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, huh, okay. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, okay. And I continue watching. I'm like, wow, like. And I don't watch highlights. I just watch, I just put on the film. And I started to be able to identify exactly why the 49ers really liked him. I said, wow, like for somebody his size, that's six foot five, 230 pounds, the way he was able to move, the way he was able to get in and out of his brakes, his foot, feet, his change of direction. I saw him, the way he sunk his hips running a blaze out with that size. I said, ooh, like this is different. Like you, you don't have guys that are this size, that are able to move like that. I see why the 49ers liked them. Now, I also identified a negative, which was doesn't have legit straight line speed. I thought he came off the ball hard. Thought, thought that was good. Um, and I thought his contested catches needed help. for for That needed work. For someone that is six foot five, that is 230 pounds, you want the guy that can play above the rim, uh, I didn't think that that was necessarily a strength of his, and that was something that he was going to have to improve on. But just looking at it from what I saw him be, and if you pair that, then you got Debo Samuel and you got Jalen Hurd, you you got something, you got something good, you got something good. That's what I was thinking. I watched that and I said, okay, I see where they're going with this, and I like it. So then the first time we see him is, and actually, I mean, I saw him in practice because uh, I was a credential me member of the 49ers media. And, you know, I'm watching him. I'm up close in person, and I'm like, okay, I, I see it coming on. I see his aggressiveness. I see his mindset. Thought all that was terrific. Okay, Jalen Hurd, like, there's something there. Debo Samuel was struggling to get off press. He was struggling to get off press a little bit uh, as a rookie in camp. But Hurd, he was bringing this aggressive mindset. I saw him cooking one time in two-minute drill. Bethel was giving him the ball. And I'm like, all right, there's something there. Then both guys play against the Dallas Cowboys in the preseason. We see Debo Samuel catch a bomb downfield. Boom, he catches a bomb downfield down the left sideline. Okay. We watch Jalen Hurd. He has three catches. One, he catches a crosser, runs over guys, goes into the end zone. Another one, fade ball. I was encouraged to see that because I thought that was an area he needed to improve. They threw a screen to him, showed some quicks. I said, damn, 49ers got two legit receivers. Let's just have these guys grow. Like, they're legit. And then the back injury happened. And he misses the whole year. And then the torn ACL happens. And obviously from that point, a lot of guys, they they gave up on him. And uh, it was hard to be, you know, encouraged by what you were seeing from Jalen Hurd. Uh, you know, we, we saw the injuries and, and how that kind of started to pile up. And ultimately, 
the, his tenure with the 49ers came to an end yesterday. I think they continued to be optimistic about what it was that he potentially could be. But like our guy Ian Sharp says, his body let him down. And that's tough. That's tough because I can only imagine like what that tandem would have been, Debo Samuel and, and Jalen Hurd. Like that, I think that would have been something really good. And they were on the right mindset with it, but injuries, man. And it wasn't someone that was like injured a whole lot in college or anything like that. There were some concussions or whatever uh, at Tennessee while he was playing running back. Made the transition. There was like a little something before his pro day or whatever, a little something, but nothing too wild. But uh, man, ultimately, it didn't work out. So Jalen Hurd waived by the 49ers, third round pick, never got to see the field in the regular season game. And that's unfortunate. Here we go. Uh, do you think? Do you think anyone? <clears throat> excuse me. Anyone will pick him up? I think there's the potential of that. You know, you 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 see somebody with his ability and his size. At some point, someone will. Will they pick him up right now? Will they claim him right now? I don't know. Maybe somebody might. Uh, uh, he might go unclaimed, and somebody sign him to the practice squad. I could see that being the case. There is ability there, but the 49ers let him go right now because he's just not healthy. And I don't. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the situation is, but he's not healthy. So that's why the 49ers let him go. If another team picks him up, they're gonna have to deal with the injury things. And maybe next year, you know, he's someone that can contribute to a team. But as of right now, just tough, man. It's unfortunate. Unfortunate for someone that I do think possessed a lot of talent. See my guy. Deion right here. It took them long enough to cut him, and anyone who picks him up is wasting their time. His body might not allow him to play football. I get it. Uh, think he was never the same after playing running back? Nah, like, I liked him at receiver. I was very encouraged by what I was seeing with him as a route runner. There were a lot of people saying, oh, he's so raw, he's so raw, he's so raw. And I, I Gosh, I hate that word. But he's so raw. And I'm watching him, I'm like, I don't see raw at receiver. I don't see raw. I see somebody that is running good routes. He got good hips. He got good feet, change of direction. He ran a blaze out. The way he set up running slants, like there was a lot of good. If you want to say raw, the only thing raw about him not playing uh, or, you know, it was just that he hadn't played a whole lot of receiver. I was encouraged by where he was at. And I was encouraged by what he could potentially be, but obviously he's going to be that for another team. Some more news. On the Positivity Friday podcast, which is maybe not positive, it's Odell Beckham to the LA Rams. And I think he can still play. Is Odell the guy that, you know, we've grown to know, right? You know, I, I made some notes here for my, you know, and I'm, I have a, I have this uh, kind of partnership with Lion Sports. So I wrote a, I did like a video on Odell Beckham. All right, and what, what team he potentially would go to. But let's talk about Odell Beckham for a second and, like, find out who he is. So he had a historic start, you know, his first three years, almost 300 catches, over 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, all in his first three years, which is amazing, like, amazing, right? All to a great start. Over his last five years, 16 touchdowns, less than 3,000 yards. Like, the production has dropped off drastically. Now, I know a lot of it has to do with injuries, but 
Right now, he's supposed to be healthy. Zero touchdowns. That's not the Odell that we know, and he's not getting the targets. Matter of fact, I saw something that said um, he hadn't had double-digit targets since week one of the 2020 season. Now, again, he did miss some time, but is Odell still Odell? Now, his dad thinks so, right? He put out the video of his son getting open. So today, he's not getting the targets, you know? And one thing about Odell, and he's similar to guys like uh, Des Bryant, uh, Terrell Owens, they they aren't an issue until they are, right? And how do they become an issue? It's more so of if if you if you lose or you're losing the game or whatever, and they're not able to contribute, like you're not getting them the targets where they feel like they have the talent and ability to help win, they will be upset about it. They they're gonna be upset about it. So Terry Owens, he was like that, right? Like when the 49ers are losing with Jeff Garcia and, and Mariucci and all that. Terrell Owens, the outbursts come, it's like, if we lose and you're not getting me the rock where I feel like I can help, we're going to have issues. Des Bryant, he was the same way. When we saw the outburst on, you know, on the sideline with Des Bryant, I can guarantee you it's when he is not getting the rock and you're losing. If you're winning, I don't think they complain as much about the targets and things like that. But they feel like their talent is so immense that they can help in a situation that's not going well for the team. Get me the rock. I can change the situation. But when you don't, they're emotional and they get frustrated. And clearly, Odell Beckham got frustrated with the situation over there in Cleveland. Now, I do want to add that the locker room is saying he wasn't an issue. So the outbursts and things that we've seen from Odell in the past with New York or Tara Owens, Des Bryant, they're saying those things weren't an issue. So I guess they're a little bit kind of caught off guard by his, I want out, right? Now, his uh, his father posted the video, my son clearly can get open. They, they released him. They, you know, he's up for grabs, goes unclaimed, probably because, you know, he was owed like $7 million. Only so many teams could do that, and he wanted to go to a contender. And you hear John Lynch come out and say, we, you know, he wasn't interested in us. And we're not there. And I know people are upset, like, man, why the 49ers? How come they didn't, how come they didn't go after Odell? 49ers aren't in a position to go after him. They are a team that they are a team that's three and five right now. And he wants to go to a legit contender. Now we are going to talk about how we can spin this whole thing. All right. But I think for a couple of reasons why it just didn't make sense. One, again, wanted to go to a contender, wanted to go to a team where he felt like he can compete right now. All right. And where the 49ers stand right now, there's just a lot of uncertainty with this team, the direction they're heading in, and what the hell is going on. So that's not a team that was going to be able to really take them on. But on the other side of things, didn't make sense from how the 49ers are kind of constructed with the targets and receivers that they have and the inability to really get these guys the ball consistently, right? So do you throw Odell in the mix with Debo and the Ayuk that you're developing? And it looks like he might be coming out of that doghouse and George Kittle, right? Like, those are your three guys that are going to get targets, and you want to continue to develop those guys. Now, I'm not saying that Odell couldn't help 49ers. I'm not naive. I'm not stupid. Clearly, Odell could definitely help the 49ers, right? We got Muhammad Sanu out there, okay? Take his spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but where the 49ers are right now is not a desirable situation for not just Odell, but I think most people. You know, with the 49ers right now, what we think they are, 
we're not excited about this, right? We come over on here every day and we kind of talk bad about the 49ers and where they're at. And we we discuss our displeasure for them. I think these, you know, NFL players and their agents and things like that, they're having the same conversations about the 49ers. We don't know who we are and we don't know where we're going. But I'm still going to spin this in a positive way. All right, so again, I appreciate everybody that's in here. Hey, man, if you like what you've been seeing so far, Go ahead and hit that like button. I will bring people on, but I do want to talk about some positives with the 49ers. All right, here we go. Positive number one for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy has played well. He's not the reason why the 49ers have lost the last couple of games. I don't think he does anything to take your team over the top. And ideally, you would want that from a quarterback, but he's just kind of not that guy. But just on, like, just watching him right now, I could say that he's not contributing to the losses, all right? The 49ers are in a tough place, but I do feel like with Jimmy at quarterback, again, I'm somebody that wants Trey Lance to play, but I do feel like with Jimmy at quarterback, we do have the ability to beat the Rams Monday night. All right, we do have the ability to beat the Rams Monday night, which takes me to my next thing. The 49ers team is not bad. They are playing bad, and I don't know why. I don't know why they're playing bad. But the team is not bad. Yes, there's some holes on defense right now. They got some injuries that they're trying to overcome. You know, you lose a guy like Kinlaw. You know, you don't have Greenlaw. D4 is not out there. You lose Verrett. You play without your two safeties. Those things are tough, and the 49ers defense is going to have to try to figure out how to overcome it. But I don't think that the team is bad. So even when I go into these games, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, I feel like the 49ers can win. Like, I, I feel like when, when I watch them against the Cardinals, I feel like they can't win. Like, think about last year, right? When you were heading into games, I, I never felt like, I mean, you know, it was like, I mean, we need everything to go right for the 49ers to win. I don't think they're there right now. I think they are in a position to where it's just don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't, you know, don't, don't fumble twice. Can you, can you improve the tackling a little bit better? Don't have the third down penalties. Can, can you do those things? And if you can, you can win football games. They're hurting themselves. I don't think it's necessarily a lack of talent in the entire team, on the team. Now, are there things that Kyle Shanahan could do better? Are, are there teams, and I saw somebody, and, I, and I'll touch on this because it's directly uh, attributes to this. Croc, what do you think about John Lynch calling out Fred Warner yesterday on KBR? I think it's BS, and that's that's part of the problem. Like, those things. When I look at this team, I don't see a team that can't win. But when you have your GM, you have your GM on KBR calling out your, like, he's not playing well. He's not playing to the expectations. We Like, you don't say those things to the media. media. Now, I'm not saying he has to lie. I'm not saying that. But. Give us coach speak. Give us GM speak, whatever it is. 
but not this. And I think that obviously, like some people can take it, some people can't, right? And I do feel like Fred Warner is somebody that probably can take it. But it's like, why why do we have to say those things? So they've done a lot of this, calling out their players through the media. Stop that. Stop that. I don't think it helps. And I don't think it's going to want other people to come play here. Did we hear, and maybe we're just not connected to these teams and we don't pay as much attention to them, but did we hear Brown's head coach, Brown's general manager calling out Odell Beckham to the local media, to the radio stations, to the TV? Do we hear them talking about Odell? And Odell wanted out and he's putting out videos about him being open, his son, I mean, his dad putting it out and all that. And you still don't hear it. The way this organization is being ran right now, that might be the bigger issue. Again, I'm trying to spin this stuff in a positive light, all right? But I think that's BS. I think it's BS, all right? Kyle uh, John Lynch comes out and says, we need him to play better. He's not playing up to our uh, standards. He's not playing to our standards. He's not playing to his standards. He would tell you that he'd be better. We have a lack of leadership. Like, you don't do that to the media like you just don't I don't hear anybody else saying that I don't hear Belichick doing that I don't hear I don't hear anybody else doing that except for maybe Dan Campbell who called out Jared Goff (laughs) all right someone said uh this video's name is misleading has all been I feel like I've been being positive until I got to that all right but anyway we're back on the positive tip so I talked about Jimmy Garoppolo being positive being a positive I think Jimmy Garoppolo has played well, and I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason why the 49ers are losing games. There's other things they have to figure out. But that also took me to the point where I do feel like as a roster, this 49ers roster is not bad. And they're heading into a game Monday night against the Rams. I get it. The Rams, the star-studded, they got all this. They're killing it. They're winning a bunch of games. 49ers aren't. But I don't, I don't look at this as a game that the 49ers can't come out and win with. I don't think it's a game that they can't come out and win with Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo can come out, just have a game, have a game. He's been playing well. I think we might need a little bit more from him to pick up because maybe the defense won't play as well. They got a lot of injuries they're trying to overcome right now. So Jimmy, he's playing well. I think the roster is solid. We're we're, we're healthy on offense. Let's get this thing going, all right, which takes me to my next positive thing. If somehow, some way, the 49ers beat the Rams, and I say somehow, some way, but I think it's a legit chance that they can. You got Jacksonville next. And can you beat them? Now we're 500. Now we're back in the mix. And then I think after that, you I think you got the Vikings after that. They're a sub-500 team. Let's get in a role. They, they have the ability to do it. They have the opportunity to do it. And I do think um, after a couple of weeks, we talk about Jacksonville, you talk about uh, the Minnesota Vikings, you start getting guys back. You, you know, you got the healthy war. You get the tart back. You start getting some of your guys back. And let's go on this run. Let's go on the run. Greenlaw, I'm pretty sure he's coming back. Let's go on this run. Let's go on this run. I think, I don't look at the 49ers as a terrible team. I think they're a team that's playing terrible. And I don't know why. They just find different ways. I don't look at this roster like in previous years, like 2017, where it's just like they're just guys away. They just don't have the guys. I don't I don't see that. Um, I don't look at this roster 
uh, you know, like 2018, uh, a quarterback injury. Just don't have – nah, I think they got everything in place that they need to be able to pull out victories. They got it. They got it. All right, let's talk about another positive, all right? Told you I'm going to spin this thing positive, and I hope you guys, when we come on, you guys can come on and, and speak positive as well. Young players. It's it's encouraging to see a lot of young players, you know, start to do well, and some of them heading in the right direction. Now, again, why some of them aren't playing as much as you would like, I don't know. But I would say I like the fact that, you know, seeing uh, Debo Samuel take off in the production he's had and 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 – and how he's affected games, it's been really cool to watch. It's been really cool to watch. Debo's doing his thing. Ayuk starting to come along. I like that. I like that. You got man, our running back with, with Elijah Mitchell. I'm I feel comfortable with him. Just stay healthy. Trey Sermon, not a positive in the sense of just why they have him inactive. And again, another guy, John Lynch called out. And John Lynch said, uh, with Hasty down, with Hasty down, Elijah Mitchell will get his opportunity to play. I mean, excuse me, with Hasty down, Trey Sermon will get his shot. And it's like his shot against Seattle wasn't good enough where he ran for 90 yards and had uh over almost five yards a carry. That wasn't good enough to get him a shot. I don't know what's going on with that, but I am encouraged by what I've seen from Trey Sermon. Not in the sense of how maybe we viewed him as a third round pick and, and how we felt like he should be contributing on a on a, on a game to game uh basis, but just I'm encouraged by what I've seen from him, and I feel like Sermon and Elijah Mitchell should be a nice one-two punch. Okay, give Elijah Mitchell his 15 carries a game. But can Sermon get eight? Can Sermon get nine? You know what I'm saying? Like he he's not running bad. I know he gets this bad like you know the way people talk about him because he's not playing but we've seen we've seen his ability he doesn't suck right if he was somebody like you know watching uh watching our guy who was it uh the running back from Alabama number 33 what was his name he got drafted like number three overall to the Colts or Browns was drafted by the Colts, was drafted by the Browns. Anyways, you guys know who I'm talking about. He sucked, right? Like you watch him and it's like, damn, this guy sucks. I don't say I don't see that with Trey Sermon. I see a Trey Sermon, a young running back who runs well. Now, is he just this one cut speed guy? I don't think so. But he runs well. And he's averaging over four yards a carry. He's doing good. Like why he can't get the carries, I don't know. Trent Richardson, that was the guy's name I'm talking about. Trent, Trent Richardson, when you watch him, he just sucked. Right? Trent Richardson sucked. He wasn't good. I don't see that with Trey Sermon. I see Trey Sermon as somebody who has ran well. He's done good. Like, he's done some good things. He's in their doghouse for whatever reason. All right? And I talked about that a little bit. I feel like I talked about that yesterday. I don't want to touch on today. I want to be positive. But I think there are the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I don't think they understand these new the new generation of kids. They don't understand how you have to like coach these kids, talk to these kids. They are different. They're different. All right. But anyways, back to the positive. Um, another positive, and after this, I'm going to get you guys on. But I feel like there's minimal holes going forward. I do think we look at this roster right now, you know, and there are injuries and things like that. But 
on offense, I think they're good to go, right? Like, you know, you if you say, all right, we're going to get Trey Lance to where he needs to be, and, you know, now it's like, okay, we got IU. He's good now. He's 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 moving in the right direction. Uh, you got Debo Samuel. You got George Kittle moving forward. You know, offensive line, okay, we got Trent Williams. You got Lincoln Tomlinson. We'll see how long. Now, you got to figure out the right guard center spot, all right? Maybe it's Banks or whatever, but I feel like offensively, 49ers are good to go for the next few years, right? Like, we're good there. Defensively, there are some holes, but what is it exactly that they need to fix? Okay, maybe we need to add a cornerback. Okay, Tart might be going, got to add a safety. I think we could benefit from having a legit run-plugging tackle, which is supposed to be Kinlaw. I don't think that there are a lot of holes in this roster. Could use an edge rusher, right, moving forward. But there's not a lot of holes moving forward. I think there are – I think I think this roster and where it's headed – because I, I did have somebody yesterday say, how do you rebuild this thing? And I, I don't think you have to rebuild. I think you just got to, like – you got to plug in a, a guy here and there. And if you let go of Jimmy Garoppolo, that'll help free up some money. I don't think this roster is far away from really being what we feel like they should be. Now, I do think the sooner you play Trey Lance and the closer we get him to being what we need him to be, that's when we can, you know, that's when we'll be really good. But, yeah, man, like, I, I don't think that this team is that far apart. Now, here's a here's something right here. Cornerback depth. I, my, my guy, I'm, I'm keep it a buck. Cornerback depth, cornerback depth lacks around the NFL. There are maybe a couple teams that can withstand having – their best corner hurt. Most teams can't. Like, cornerback positions around the league aren't good. So, knowing that, what would I do? I'm loading up on the D-line. Everybody thinks it's a cornerback issue. I need to get consistent pressure. If I can get pressure on guys, everybody's better. The coverage from the linebackers are better. The coverage from the back end guys is better. Get pressure and get it consistently. A lot of people don't really care about, they want all the sacks. But really, it's, if you can get consistent pressure, I'm telling you, everybody's better. Everybody. Contribution from my, my guy, Big Dez. Three deadly sins. Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Below average drafting. Lynch Kyle Shannon getting too big for the britches. After Super Bowl, uh, Jet York paid them. Yep. That is tough. That's tough. All things. But I do think that, again, I don't think this team is far. And, you know, I want y'all to come on. Let me know if I'm wrong. Let, let me know if I'm wrong for thinking that this team ain't it ain't far off. Like we think. We look at the roster and we see this team, you know, three and five, and we're trying to figure it out. We all are. But I don't think, I don't think they're far off. Here we go. Uh, I see somebody. Where was it at? Where is it at? Here we go. Now you are talking, Crocker. If we get the pressure, it doesn't matter how good the corners can be. Right. Because really, if you look at it right now, the corners haven't been bad. Like, I don't think the 49ers are losing games. It's like, oh, we're losing games because the corners are getting ate up. I don't think so. I think, uh, one, 49ers are finding different ways to lose. Obviously, we've had the penalties. But I will say, I looked up some penalty numbers yesterday, and the 49ers aren't the most penalized secondary. Now, they do lead in pass interferences by one. Uh, they have 12, and it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have 11. But when you account for uh, pass interferences, defensive holding, illegal contact, there are teams that have more than the 49ers from their secondary. There are teams that have more. 
And there are a bunch of teams that are right there in the mix when you add up all those. Now, there is one team, I think it's the Tennessee Titans. They have zero pass interferences on the, on the season. I don't know how you do that. But um, there are a lot of penalties to secondaries in the league. The 49ers have the most pass interferences, but these other teams have more pass interferences, illegal contact, holding, defensive holding uh, from the secondary combined. Uh, there's teams that have more than the 49ers when you combine all those things. So uh, the pressure definitely can help. I see uh, uh, Ebucam has been a disappointment. You know, I think it was always when it came to Ebucam, he was somebody that it was kind of a, like, let's see thing, right? Like, I can't be disappointed by him because I wasn't expecting him to be just this legit edge rusher, right? I mean, he's a guy who wasn't really a full-time edge rusher or anything from the uh, on, when he was playing for the Rams. He wasn't a guy that they were just putting on the edge and just rush. He was really a Sam backer. So I get it in the sense of, oh, disappointment, but disappointment depending on what your standards for him were. And for me, uh, they weren't very high. But obviously, he would be somebody right now that could help the 49ers. Uh, but he's just not that guy. They lack they lack a legit pass rusher, and they need that right now. And that would help everybody out. Again, I appreciate everybody that's uh, contributing to the, to the uh, show. Here we go. My guy, Jesse. Uh, 32 free agents, 8 million in cap projected. No first-round picks. Rookies aren't. Doing. Okay, so that's, that's, that's tough when you look at it like that. But that's 8 million projected cap. And that's one that's not including Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the books, right? I'm assuming. So if you if you take the 25 million or whatever he's off, now we're talking about 30 plus million, right? I, I'm not a cat person. I'm just assuming. So now you're talking about up, you know, over 30 million dollars in cap space. Also, we already know how contracts can be reworked. We saw them work a miracle. This I don't even say work a miracle, but they worked the cap this offseason where they moved some guys around. Uh, their money around and freed up, I mean, what was it, 10, 15 million, 20 million, whatever it was before we could blink, right? So, yeah, 8 million projected, but it could be, it could easily be 50 million in cap space if they do it right. Now, in terms of 32 free agents, I don't think that's too much different than what you see around the league. Um, obviously, there are guys that they're going to want to bring back. Some guys are not, but they will have money to be able to bring back guys. You know, you can obviously, uh, you know, sign a bunch of guys depending on how you kind of front load contracts and whatnot. I, I think they're going to be in a great, a, a just fine space to be able to build through the uh, free agency. And I know there's no first round picks, but at the end of the day, the guys that have been contributing the most for the 49ers have been third round, fourth round, fifth round picks. So how much will it hurt the 49ers not having a first round pick? Obviously, you want that talent. But it seems like the guys that have been playing, the guys that have been making impacts, aren't really the first-round picks to that extent. Now, obviously, you have a, a Nick Bosa and things like that, but they've been doing really good outside of the first round. So that's kind of my spill on that. I, I don't think that not having the first-round pick hurts them as much as we think in theory or that would with most teams. I see you guys. Um, the caller is waiting. Definitely about to get you guys on. Uh, just have a few of these uh, uh, Super Chats answer. This is my guy Abel, so I got to get to him, my dog, you know, real 209. Uh, is it is it more interior line play or edge rushing opposed uh, edge rushing opposite Bosa? I think it's a combination of all of it, right? Uh, most quarterbacks will tell you that when they get that immediate pressure from the interior, like that's like right in their face, that moves them, right? Because that's right directly into their vision. And then you want the guys off the edge to clean it up. 
I don't think they've been getting that off the edge of cleaning it up. I think D4 definitely could have helped. I think early on when the 49ers defense was playing well, he was doing a good job of that. Uh, 49ers defense wasn't always as leaky as it is right now, but I think the injuries is starting to take a toll. Appreciate the contribution from my guy, Sean, not an empire DMV. Let's go. Here we go. Uh, we, we, we failed a plan, plan to fail. John Lynch is not the GM we need. He has missed on more draft picks and free agent signings uh, that he has hit on. Here, here's the tough thing. And I hear you, Sean. I hear you. I hear you. Shout out to Niner Empire DMV. Let's go. I hear you. Now, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. I would have to look at like a, a, a statistic on the hit rate around the league as it pertains to, you know, free agent, you know, signings and things like that. How much more do the 49ers miss or have a lack of production as opposed to other squads? That's something that would be intriguing for me to kind of look into. Now, again, I I think the biggest issue right now with the 49ers and John Lynch, yeah, he's been doing some weird stuff. At first, it seemed like he was like the guy, right? He was making his magic. He was he was finessing people and stuff. I was calling him the finesse god. It ain't looking too good for John Lynch right now. But I will say, uh, the 49ers, they just don't look inspired with how they're playing. And I think more than anything, that's kind of been a bigger issue. Yeah, you got some injuries on defense, but can John Lynch inspire these guys to play hard? I don't know. But I feel like the roster, right? And, and this is part of John Lynch being a GM. Do y'all look at the roster and just say that the roster sucks? Now, if you say fail the plan and plan to fail, that's that's a little different because I don't know what the plan is right now. But when I look at the roster, just in general, right, before this season, most people, they predicted the 49ers win the NFC West because of the roster that this team has put together. Uh, I think moving forward, they were excited about this team. And I think, again, I think it's because of, I think it's because of the uh, and put my headset on. I think it's because of the the roster that they built. So, yeah, when I look at this team, man, uh, it's tough. There's a lot of blame to go around. Sean, I appreciate the contribution. When you find different ways to lose each week, you are not a good football team, despite what we may think. I agree that we are not playing good football. But I don't think that we are a bad football team. We're just playing bad. Like, we suck. All right? We suck. But I don't think we I don't think we suck because we can't be a good football team. I just think we got to get out of our own way. Now, again, part of that is being a good football team. And I know I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit here. But I don't, I don't look out there and think that we don't have the guys to be able to win games. That's, what, that's ultimately what I'm saying. When I look out there, I see – I don't see a team that has the inability to win games. So now it's just figuring out how to get out of your own way. And I think that kind of comes down to coaching. I think that comes down to coaching. Appreciate the contribution. Here we go. Another contribution. Um, I listened to your Friday pod on Locked On. Why doesn't Shanahan like to play rookies? How are we supposed to build our future if the guy doesn't get reps? Ooh, great question. Now, again, um, what, what my guy Joe is kind of alluding to is, uh, Locked on 49ers, we had Benjamin Solak on, and Benjamin had the article uh, in the ringer talking about Kyle Shanahan and some of his philosophies. And Kyle definitely struggles with playing rookies for whatever reason. Now, obviously, like, you know, you have the Nick Bosa's, and, you know, he's just going to be him. But everything else kind of says 
I don't think it's that he struggles to play rookies. I don't think that's the case. Well, as Benjamin Solak said, most teams don't want to have to play rookies. I think what Kyle, what he's missing is he wants all these guys to come in and approach the game a certain way. And if they're not approaching the game how he wants, he takes issue to that. And that's where his big issue is. I think that's where his issue is. And that's why so many of these guys end up being in the doghouse. He's got to figure it out. He got to figure out how to have that balance. Because until he does, it's going to be hard to get the results for, that he wants from these younger guys. And I touched on that, but this is the positive show. So I don't want to get too negative on Kyle Shanahan. But I do think there's certain things that he has to figure out with this younger generation of kids coming up and how he has to approach them, how he has to talk to them, how he has to motivate them. He's not coaching Julio Jones. He's not coaching Andre Johnson of the past, Matt Ryan. These younger guys, they're a little different, and you have to go about it a different way. He hasn't quite figured that part out yet. Got another contribution here. Let's see it. Let's see it. My guy, Gerald. Our roster doesn't suck. Our coaches are not putting the players in position for them to be their best. Need a new defensive scheme. All right. The, okay, defensive scheme. Here's the tough thing. I don't think it's necessarily the scheme that lacks. I think it's tough sometimes when you're missing certain guys that you expect to be out there, and when you don't have those guys, how does that affect your scheme, right? So when you look at Tylenol Hufunga, who gets caught in space against Christian Kirk, that's the scheme. The scheme is putting Hufunga in position to be able to catch that and run with it, right? The scheme is putting him in position. But – Maybe Hufunga doesn't have the pure speed to be able to run with a guy like Christian Kirk. But ideally, Hufunga's not the guy that's there. It's, it's Ward or it's Tart, and they can run with guys. You know what I'm saying? So in the sense of putting guys in position to make plays, I, think, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case on a consistent basis. But I, I hear you. I think the scheme is fine. I've liked how he's come out more times than not. The last two weeks have been a little weird. De definitely seemed like there was no answer to the Cardinals game plan. But I don't think it's necessarily on a consistent basis. It's been a bad scheme. I think he's come out with the right mindset. Sometimes execution poor, and that can go on coaching. But I think some of it right now is just missing some key guys. And that can't, that can't, we can't just go without talking about that, without missing. Uh, you know, a Ken Law, who definitely helps in the run game. But, you know, without missing, uh, you know, a Jason Verrett, uh, you know, both your starting safeties, you know, Dre Greenlaw, D Ford. It hurts. So now it's like, how do I patch this thing up? That's the part he's trying to figure out. Appreciate the contribution. All right. I got through to some of those contributions. Here we go. We're going to bring on our first guy. We got Jedi. What's good, man? What 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 positive news you got for me? What's good again, brother? What's good? What's good, man? I, look, I'm going to try to be you, Croc. I'm going to try to spin it in positive. You know, I come on here, I kind of get negative, and I get to going, so I'm going to try to be positive. If we play Trey Lance, okay, and, you're, and if I'm Jed and I want to get rid of John, Trey Lance could be the magnet for Jeff Ireland or somebody that has some credentials in the GM world to say, hey, I don't need necessarily these two first-round picks. I think I got me a quarterback right now. 
uh, you know, I might be able to maneuver some things within the second, third, fourth rounds, or, you know, later in the draft. So that might be a positive, but it goes back to playing Trey Lance. I think another positive is the roster. Like you said, it's not a bad roster. There are holes, but there are holes in everyone's roster in the NFL. So I would, if we get a competent GM, start addressing the secondary. Um, it looks like, you know, Tart is going to probably walk at the end of the season. I don't know if they plan on paying him or not, but it looks like he's going to walk. I think you're going to have to get figure out if Hufanga can play there. And if he can't make, even if he can't play there, just draft somebody to, you know, to get some depth behind that, get a competition going. And I think you need to figure out what you're going to do behind Jimmy Ward. Because the one thing I've noticed about that defense, it seems like, and I would have thought Fred was the guy, but it seems like Jimmy is the guy. It seems like Jimmy Ward and what he does and how he, controls the it seems like when he was out when he's gone the floodgates open but when he was on the field there was a more it was like the leader was there the guy who everyone could just turn to can just soak down he would could get everyone in control so it seems to be me i've identified jimmy ward as the leader of the defense now i would like fred to step up because i think that's his realm and i think nick bosa needs to also begin to step up because it's beginning, you know, in his room. But I believe the reason why we're seeing the problems we see out of our defense isn't because necessarily they are bad personnel. I think the leader of the team or the leader of the, the heart of the defense isn't on the field. And when the heart of the defense is on the field, they play better. Every week Jimmy Ward's played, they played decent. They always gave it a fighting effort. If when Jimmy Ward got hurt, they the floodgates opened. And that's not good on Fred Warner. It's not good on Nick Bosa. And I think they need to address that somehow, some way. Hopefully, they get rid of Jimmy, get some cap space. You can go look for, you know, guys to to help bring reinforcements into the defense. So that's all I'm going to say. Love your show, Croc. I love seeing Miss uh, Mama Crocker. Tell her I said what's up. Hope you get your basement, brother. I appreciate you, my guy. Uh, Jimmy Ward, that that might be somebody who is more of the vocal leader and, and get things going. And maybe his uh, presence on the field is missed more than we kind of calculated. Coming up next, I got my guy Darius, man. How you doing? Darius, you there? I'm blessed, man. How you feeling this morning? Oh, man, I'm good, man. What you, yeah, can what you, you got for us, man? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> All right, for sure. Uh as far as being positive, this is what I'm going to say, man, because every week, like I say, every week, the players blame the coach, the coach blame the players. Oh, we're not prepared. Well, you know what? You guys ain't executing. What they need to do is do an old school camping. They need to go out to the wilderness, all play all the, all the starters and the coaches. Go do a bonding type of exercise and get right with each other. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's like you said, they are a good team. Outside of the defense having all those injuries, DeMarco is still trying to create something, and I respect that. Like, I ain't, I ain't gonna be mad at him for how last week turned out. You know, you got, you know, you just, it, it was just, it was just all bad last week, man. And um, the 
fumbles and all that. So it's like I can't really fault them as far as them saying like as far as, far as saying like they played bad. I mean, not played bad, but they coached bad or you know bad scheming. None of that. No, it's just it's something in they in in their psyche. It's like it's like the coaches they're they're blaming these players. And like you said, Lynch is getting on the, on the camera and he, he's exposing too much. At first, I liked it as far as them being honest, as far as like, you know, you know, this player, he's going through something or this player's rule. But when you, get the, when you get the nagging on them and acting like they're not good at their job, it's like, hold on, man. Like, that's something you could say for the locker room on a one-on-one discussion. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that. You don't get on here and talk about, oh, you know, Fred Warner, he has to step up because, you know, he's the heart of the defense and all the pressures on him. Like, no, no, it's not like this. Is like, his, what is this, his third year? And you're asking him maybe. to do things that he, he, he maybe might, might be his fourth. I think it's his fourth. Yeah. Fourth it's year. like, you're asking him to do. Yeah. So it's like, you're asking him to do things that he really wasn't the man to do at first. Like as far as stuff in the run, like, no, nah, he's a coverage dude and he's hella smart. Like he could, he can look at the offense and he gets to, you know, telling the defense what to do and the adjustments. Like, he's dope at that. But all of a sudden now, you know, you take, for example, okay, perfect example. Fred Warner is not no Patrick Willis, uh, Navarro Bowman type of dude. Like, he's not no big get up in there and fill the gaps and all in your face. Like, no, like, he's just a sharp and he works with his strengths. And like the last caller said, Jimmy Ward is he like he's been there 12 years. Of course, he's a that's the dog. He's the OG. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like Jimmy Ward has to embrace these younger players and let them know, hey, look, I'm not going to be here forever. This is y'all team. Y'all got to really step up and, and check each other. You know what I'm saying? Like. I feel like, for example, Josh Norman's 33 and so. These 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, they probably feel like they can't tell them nothing. But I'm the type of person, I'll get in your face. Hey, look, man, all these PIs you got going on, like, cut that out. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to always be aggressive, like, overly aggressive because you're costing the team. You know what I'm saying? And these stats are so – the stats that we have are so – they're so – what's the word, man? Like, it's, it's a mirage, man, like – we're fourth in pass defense, and then we're eighth in yards allowed. But that's because we turn the ball over and give them a short field. Mm. So, of course, it looks like that. And I'm, I hate when they keep bringing that up as if, like, that's like a, you know, that, that's like their go-to thing. Oh, you know, we're our defense and we're ranked here or ranked there. Like, man, nah, man, like, stop feeding us that BS. The same way y'all fed us this whole faithful uh, slogan, which I do like it, though. I ain't gonna lie, I do. I, I, I feel like that's a better – <laughs> it's better than a you know the gold rush. So I like being called the faithful. However, you know, it's when y'all came with this whole we running 2019 back. No, like no, you're not. Y'all just was cheap and didn't go get nobody. So now y'all trying to make us think that this team from two years ago still exists when this is the NFL, man. Like people catch up to that. Right. Just like just like everybody caught up to Kyle Shanahan and his play designs and all that. Now people are running it better than him. And when they play him, they know how to stop it. And this guy, he's so stubborn, he doesn't even want to change this whole get down as far as, like, you know, how he's calling the game. And it's like, come on, Shanahan, like, please, like, 
I honestly don't feel like he's the coach, bro. I, I do. At first I did, but it's like, damn, man, like this dude is a real jerk. Like, and- <laughs> <laughs> hey, not nah, hey, real. You you are all of us. And I'm I'm gonna get you off in a second, but the last thing I want to yeah. touch on, because I got some other people waiting, but the last thing I want to touch on is I talked about this on Locked On 49ers. If you guys don't already, you know, listen to Locked On 49ers this morning. We had Benjamin Solak on there uh yesterday, myself and Brian Peacock. But I, I talked about this and Kyle's handling of the young young players. And he's not understanding that this younger generation is different. And I realized it right away when I got into coaching high school football in 2015, 2016, when I got done playing ball, I realized these kids are different. And I had to look at myself. How do I, what do I have to do different to get through to these kids? Because they will check out, you know what I'm saying? And what I had to do was I can be that guy. That's a stickler. Cause and they, by nature, I'm a stickler. Like I want to, Hey, not this way, this way, this way. But I had to really, celebrate small wins with these young guys i had to the moment i see them do something remotely close to what it was that i like there it is good job all right now that was good that was good okay now okay now now do this add this to it and and that's money like you know what i'm saying like you gotta kind of over exaggerate their small wins because if you don't a lot of these kids they and same with my son my son if you ask him all i do is get on him Right, like that's what he's thinking. Like, no, nah, he just gets on me, gets on me, gets on me. But really, it's like, nah, man. Like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? If I point out all the good, then he's like, damn. But what you have to do with these young kids is you gotta you you can get on them, but you gotta reel them back in. You gotta really like you gotta really celebrate their small wins. You know what I'm saying? And I think Kyle Shanahan, he's having a tough time with that because he has more of an old school mentality. But I think that's an area where he can improve. And if you're not that guy, like maybe Nick Saban's not like that, right? Maybe Nick Saban just gets on people. But if you're kicking everybody's ass, then it's not going to matter. But the moment you start losing, that that attitude is going to wear on guys. And that's what we're going on with the 49ers. But, Darius, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Sure, thank you. All right. All right, here we go. I got my next caller coming on. We got Ryan. All right, but before we get to Ryan, uh, you know, my guy, 49er Jeff, who's playing worse, defense or offense? Obviously, I think they're both contributing to losses. (laughs) But I would say the offense – it's playing worse just because I think my expectations for the offense is higher, right? Like when I look at the 49ers offense and you look out there last game and you see George Kittle, Ayu, Debo, you know, Trent Williams, Jimmy, Mitchell's running the ball well. Like you're going to have to kind of carry this team right now. Like the defense is like trying to play through a plethora of injuries and from impactful guys. Offense, we need you to carry a little bit more. And I just saw the minus nine turnover ratio. I think a lot of that has to do with the 49ers defense not taking the ball away at all, but the offense definitely has to be a little bit more disciplined with not turning the ball over. So um, I'm definitely going to say the offense in this situation because I feel like the expectations for them to perform at a higher level is not quite there. You know, I had another uh, one. Here we go. My guy Jamal uh, got a fire thought about the leadership void on his team. Want to get it off my chest before uh, you end this show. Oh, you already know I'm going to DM you the link because I don't know if I'm going to bring up the link anymore because uh, we got we got a lot of people in here waiting right now and it's already approaching 10. But I definitely want to get your thoughts. All right, so um, here we go. Jamal, you definitely come on here. Um, I just sent you the link. All right, got my guy Ryan coming on. Ryan, what's good with you? What's up, man? What's good? What's good? How you doing this morning? 
I'm doing good. I'm blessed, man. How you feeling? We said blessed, love, and highly favored, man. I'm feeling good, man. Just celebrated my eight year anniversary yesterday, so I'm good. I can't complain. Oh, congrats! Um, I'm uh, I'm six, I'm six years in. So actually, okay. my wedding anniversary is in like ten days. So yeah, yeah, November 11th, Just, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so in ten days, so mine is uh, November twenty third. So yeah, right there. That's what's up. Hey, um, one thing I know is I've been watching a lot of KNBR and a lot of um, ninety five the game. And it seems like all the older players have the same consensus about the issue with the 49ers. Whether it's Steve Young, Jerry Rice, um, Lorenzo Neal comes on time, time. They all say the same thing. And it's internal dealing with leadership, meaning like he said, he gave the um, Ghost Avery Wars as an example. He said they they follow Steph Curry, Draymond Green. You see what I'm saying? They create a culture there. And everybody that comes in, they see it. And they trust it because they believe in the superstars that they're on that team. And just like they had Jordan Poole and Draymond getting to it yesterday, but he said, see, Draymond's a dog. He has the, um, the cachet, but then he'll also teach you along the way, but he, he brings that mentality there. Jerry Rice talking to Steve Young. He said, I was at the game. He said, I really don't see no dogs out there to really be able to keep this team grounded and that's like a lack of leadership from the secondary. And he says also on offense, Jimmy, I know he said Jimmy's playing great, but he doesn't have that step carrier effect. So when your best player, supposedly on offense, supposed to be your quarterback, and he really don't have like the vibe in the, of the whole team, or he really doesn't bring the type of swag like that win. That's why we lose turnover battles, or that's why we lose like just some stupid stuff. And he says we have to really focus on that and try to develop that and do better at it. So I think that's probably why we're losing. And then because of Kyle Shanahan, he doesn't really have the pulse of the team because it is so divided everywhere. It just yeah. makes a greater issue when it comes to coaching and then also when it comes to the players. Yeah, now, I agree. And um, I think uh, John Lynch tried to speak to that as well, you know, talking about like, you know, the leadership thing and saying that guys can do better. But I think some of it, like, it's like, hey, if you guys feel like you don't have the guys because you let DeVore's Buckner go and, you know, you you lost Joe Staley, so you got to figure it out. At some point, all right, Kyle Shanahan, you got to figure out a way to lead better. You know, or John Lynch, hey, quick question. you got to figure out. Yeah, go ahead. Did you see um, Joe Staley was on the KBR, right? He called in. He just started singing a random song by the Black Eyed Chili Peppers. And, like, his personality was very, like, you know, gravitating. And you could tell how in a time like this where the team is up and down, that type of personality, how it can kind of calm people down and bring that type of lightness in, but also say, hey, we still got a ball, guys. And um, same thing with DeForest Buckner. I like those pieces are extremely key. And when we replace them with a Nick Bosa who's kind of docile in his personality, Fred Warner's kind of cool, calm, collected, very, you know, one of those smart guys, but he doesn't seem like he's very outspoken, you know what I mean? I, even out there on the field. And they're missing it on the front line, the front seven. They're missing those two type of guys, you know? And then we don't got no fat dude like uh, um, Terrence, um, Terrence Segusa in the middle, pugging up the yeah. middles and stuff like that. So it, it kills our running game because we're going to spread nine technique. Those get big old guys, we ain't going to stop no run with those gaps being so big. Right. DCDN spins out so wide. And we got DJ Jones, which is a good replacement number two, but he's tiny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he's short, the thick, and, but he ain't a big butterball that go plug up that middle. You know what I'm saying? So we really missing Ken Law, man, more than what we really think. Yeah. 
All right, Ryan, I'm going to get you off, man, but I appreciate you coming on, brother. Peace out, bro. Faithful. All right. Here we go. Next up. Y'all might got Dion. What's good, Dion? I know you've been patient, man. Appreciate you coming on. Oh, good. All good. What's going on, Cracky? Oh, man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. How you feeling this morning? Uh, hey, man, I'm alive. I'm blessed, man. I'm, I'm actually, you know, that's real cool, man, that you brought the wife on to be able to talk about stuff. You know what I mean? I like that. Uh, yeah. That's always a good thing. It, no, yeah. the, the cool thing is, man, is, is uh, you know what I'm saying? She's, it, my wife is, is very similar in the fact that she knows I'm a damn sports junkie and it drives her insane. But, I mean, she made it, she did make a good point. Like, I'd rather have him in the house driving me insane, always looking at sports and then out ripping and running the streets. And I got to worry about where, you know, where he is and what he's doing, you know. So, um, yeah. man, mm, positives. I know people are going to hate me for this because I don't ever want to lose any games. Positive, we keep losing games, we'll start to see Trey Lance. <laughs> like, that just, 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 I, I, I just, I want him to get reps, man, because I, I honestly don't want him to come into the season next year. And then everybody's looking at him and going, hey, man, you know, you got to get out here and automatically perform. You need to be number one from day one, and we need to, you know, hit the ground running, hit the playoffs, and make it to the Super Bowl because that's unfair expectations for a young kid who does not have the experience. And that's what everybody was talking about with Justin Fields. They're like, hey, he's getting the reps that he needs, but at the same – you know, so so the game is going to slow down for him. So next year – Hopefully they put an offensive line in front of the young man because that's 90% of the reason why he'd be taken off. Um, talking about Justin Fields in that matter. Um, right. But for us, we just got to figure out the right side, and I'm kind of curious to figure out what happens. I honestly think they're going to move run school out to right tackle, and unfortunately we're going to put Tom Compton in the guard, and I don't want that because Tom Compton is not good. Uh, positive, Debo Samuel, baller, yeah. straight baller. Um, positive, the fact that, you know, Brandon and I, you can start to see more targets. Um, positive, we getting Hufunga some valuable reps. Uh, you know, we understand. It, it was already known he didn't have straight line speed to be able to keep up with somebody who was fast because we all watched him, unfortunately, get burned when, you know, James Conner just cooked him because he just took off from, from day one. So, um, yeah, man, th those are the only positives I really got. Um, cause there's still a lot of negative, unfortunately. And, and what kills me, the only thing I'll say about this is John Lynch, go in the locker room, talk to these guys. You're a player. You were a previous player. They respect you more than they respect Kyle. Why? Cause you did their job. So you, you're easy. It's easy for you to be, you know, sympathetic to their plight. They understand that. So if you go in there and give them an inspired speech, that's better than going out and publicly trying to shame somebody, especially your star linebacker. Like, why would you do that? You know, you don't go out there and publicly, you know, you know, crap on your star linebacker and make him look like he's bad. because That's not fair to him. Right. Fred doing all he can. And we do. You know, the last guy was correct. We got a, a room full of quiet people. Yeah. Hey. I don't know how many times I've seen players go to the podium and talk about different players and be like, yeah, this guy's quiet. Didn't say anything. You know, this guy doesn't really talk much. You know, and yeah, we do. We Honestly, we need that type of leadership. But honestly, I have a way that that could work. And I've said this before, and I'll stick to this. Bring guys back. 
Cherry Rice should be our wide receivers coach. Patrick Willis should be our linebackers coach. You know what I'm saying? They got to want to coach, though, and that's the tough thing. You know, it's yeah, long hours. But, you know, uh, Jerry Rice got the goat fuel going on yeah, and everything. You know, but what I'm saying is endeavors, but open the door. Let them know it's available for you if you would like to. Or if anything, just, hey, man, look, Jed, send a private jet, man. Get Grab all these dudes. Bring them together. Jerry's at every damn game. Every home game, he's there, sitting in the stand. He's trying to rile up the crowd, everything. So that's what I'm saying. Bring these dudes in, man, and have them say, hey, look, we, this this is not – because it's not fair to us as fans. We got to keep watching this stuff. Right. That's not cool. I don't want to keep watching us lose. I want us to win. You know what I'm saying? So those are things that I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of as far as since they don't have the leadership in the room, bring those guys that did have that fire. Yeah. And, and and bring them in. Bring a Jesse Sapolo back. Talk to the dude, man, with my guys from uh, uh, across the pond, man, uh, with the Shan Club. Jesse Sapolo's a really great dude. He's an awesome human being. He played all over the line. Why not have him talk to the offensive lineman? Like, yeah. there's ways you can find things to do. But as far as the OBJ situation, I know you got other people waiting, so I'm going to shut up. But the OBJ situation, we were not getting him. He wanted to go to a contender. And we are not a contender. Right. We are not going right anywhere. Now. And that that we we believe me. If OBJ would have came here, that would have been a miracle. That would have been an act of God. Because as much as we would have liked him, he just was looking like, nah, man, I'm not going. I just would have preferred him to go anywhere else than the Rams. Right. I just watched. <laughs> if you seen the, if you haven't seen the movie uh, Eternals, if you like, you know, the Marvel movies, I haven't go watched watch it yet. But I it's a great, it's a great, it's a great flick. But I went, I came out of the movie. And almost threw my phone across the theater because I seen it. Odell Beckham Jr. is at LA Ram. I'm like, we got enough problems in the division, brother. We can't keep y'all yeah. got to stop. But yeah, I appreciate you, Crocky. Much All love right. to you. Congrats, man, on any and everything. Continue to stay blessed in your endeavors. And uh, shout out to the wife, man, for for, for being understanding, man. Because I love my wife. She's understanding of my craziness too. Yep. All good. All good, bro. All right. Bro. All right. Here we go. Got a couple um, super chats to get to. Uh, besides the top five teams in our conference, everybody else is on the struggles. We can end up owning five or six uh, tiebreakers for the 17. And I agree. And that's why it's like, I just want to get this thing rolling. Like, get it going in the right direction, right? Like, the 49ers aren't far. And, and, and when I say not far, like, they're not far out the playoff hunt. And I really feel like they have the team that can, like, compete. But they got to get on the roll. And they have to figure it out. They beat the teams, you know, you beat the Lions and the Eagles and the Bears, and maybe the 49ers just not good. But I just can't look at this team and the way the roster is constructed and feel like this isn't a team that can't turn it around. And if you look at who they have coming up, again, talked about the Rams, starts there. You got to win that. You don't want to look past them. But after that, you got Jacksonville. You got Minnesota. You got Seattle. They're not very good right now, but they are going to get uh, Russell Wilson back. Then you got the Bengals. Like, they are kind of trending downward. You got Atlanta. They're not that good. I mean, like, you got Tennessee. They don't have damn uh, uh, Derrick Henry. And then you got the Houston Texans. Like, the schedule is really set up for the 49ers to make the playoffs if they can get out of their own way. It's set up for them to make a run. And once you get into the playoffs, it's 0-0 for everybody. It's 0-0. All right? It's set up for them. 
It's also a setup for Trey Lance to take over and start getting those reps. And he could potentially get some wins and kind of lead them there and build his confidence and get some more, uh, get some confidence going for next season. But, man, you're right. It, you know, the 49ers definitely could be that. And there's not a lot of good teams right now. Keep positive vibes, Croc. What was on uh, your best game? What was one of your best games? Okay. My best game, probably uh, my senior year of college, actually. We played against, and I went to a Division II school, uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello, and I live I live there now. But uh, I played against uh, Vanessa State. They were the number four Division II in the nation. And I closed out that game with a forced fumble, and we recovered it. And then the very next drive, I got an interception, and that sealed the game. And we won, like, I don't know, it was like 12-9 or 12-7, something like that. But uh, – I for like to me that was probably my biggest my that was probably my best game in the sense of just the impact directly like a, a team that was number four in the nation D two and the plays I had at the end of the game to seal it so that was probably that was my best game that was my favorite one at least appreciate the contribution here we go Tomlinson right with more Banks left with Williams uh. So you're saying move so you're saying Tomlinson on the right with Moore and then move Banks to the left side at left guard. Now here's the tough thing. You're you're creating more like open spots. I get it in the sense of Tomlinson, like, you know, put him on the right so we can be a little stronger there and he can help more. And then have Banks on the left where he can be helped by Williams. But you're that's a lot of moving pieces as opposed to just plugging in a guy. You know what I'm saying? So I, I hear you. I don't know if they'll do it that way, though. Hey, by the way, man, appreciate everybody that's in here right now. You know, if you like what you heard so far, go ahead, man. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. All right. Here we go. We got 1K. Jose. What's up, man? How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I got you. Right on. Right on. How you doing this morning, man? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling good. Uh... After this, I got to leave, go get my wife's car fixed. But aside from that, good, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, handle that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, man, I just wanted to say uh, it's kind of crazy hearing everybody uh, kind of realizing what's going on with the, with the whole team and the whole lack of leadership and uh, stuff like that. And, um, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but, you know, uh, earlier in the offseason, uh, I went on a Grand Cone show. So, you know, while everybody was all getting hyped about, oh, you know, this is a Super Bowl, uh, run, you know, we're going to run it back again and everybody's just going to get healthy and this and that. Uh, you know, I started alluding to uh, just the kind of the, the fact that, well, well, I mean, our real coach is uh, now coaching the Jets. And, um, you know, the <laughs> lack of uh, experience and, and veterans that were going to be, uh, you know, present, you know, a lot of the teams, the players. I mean, we got some guys with one-year deals. But, you know, it's not really the same team anymore. And, you know, they always say if you, if you don't get better, you don't stay the same. You get, you know, you get worse, you know, because everybody else is getting better around you, clearly. I mean, look at the Cardinals, you know, they were at the bottom of the division for how long and leave them out, you know. And um, right. <clears throat> a lot of the players, you know, that, that we had were uh, missing now is, uh, I mean, they might not have been star players, but it was the depth. You know, we had one guy go down, but we had another guy right there ready to step up and play. And the thing was that they were playing for something, for somebody, you know, for Salah, 
or their coach. Right. Uh oh. Uh oh. One K Jose, I had to, I had to remove you because it was, it was you were cutting in and out. So you you look in the comments, they're like, uh, yeah, you're you're cutting in now. My bad, man. But you were onto some good stuff. You can get that uh, connection right. You know what I'm saying? You come back on. Here we go. Got Josh Jeter. What's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. And the Wi-Fi sounds good. So yeah, we're all good to go. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, I actually I wanted to I wanted to address some stuff you said yesterday, but um, I wanted to start out with some positive stuff first because you know Definitely. I want to be optimistic and all that. And you may have already addressed this. I've kind of been in and out of the chat this morning, but um, like I still think that the Niners can do some stuff. Like I still look at them like they have a really talented. I still think we have a talented team. And we just have to find a way to execute a little better. And I'm looking, if I'm not mistaken, we're still, we're not out of the playoff hunt, are we? Mm -mm. Right. And nope. so there's a lot of teams that are kind of hovering around the same record. And like, if we could figure out a couple of things offensively and defensively, um, I think we can do some things. And so, especially with the schedule you were just talking about with the schedule coming up, like those are, a lot of those games are winnable. So we can figure some stuff out. I think we can do some stuff. And the other thing, too, is um, some people in the chat might hate me a little bit, but, you know, as far as, like, Kyle Shanahan goes, I think he's calling a lot of really good stuff. Like, I watch a lot of, like, you, different YouTube breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. And, like, a lot of the stuff he's calling, like, stuff is open and, stuff is working but the execution has been not happening for whatever reason and that's on him that's probably on him you know you gotta get your players right and get them ready to go but i think he's calling good stuff and it comes down to even the first arizona game with trey lance like a lot of people were complaining about him running him too much and doing all this and that i mean i think he was trying to play to his skill set and put him in position to be successful and a lot of that stuff like it was just bad execution, but that's kind of where I'm at, like with the positivity stuff. But what do you think? Do you think I could be onto something there? Or I don't know. I'm trying to yeah. be optimistic about it. That, that, it's there. I think where you might want to, you know, hold him more accountable is, you know, just, hey, like, maybe is there something else that you could be doing to make, you know, have your quarterback see the, you know, things that are open with the right plays and the execution be a little bit better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think ultimately, again, that I don't think that's the issue. I've, I've said it when we came on. My first positive that I talked about was Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's playing bad. Mm -hmm. I think the bigger issue right now is just the overall discipline of the team, whether it's on offense with the turnovers, was it with defense, with the penalties. Like that's mm -hmm. what's hurting the team. Yeah. I do think that's something that starts at the top. But the 49ers definitely have to fix that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. They, they, absolutely. they fixed that then they are a team that can, you know, potentially make a playoff run because I think that, you know, they're, they are, you know, they're, they're not far off and they're in striking range of being able to make the playoffs. But right now they got to figure out a way to be more disciplined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to absolve him of blame for that. I think that's absolutely that starts at the top. When your team's not performing, like you have to find a way as a coach or really any position of leadership, like you got to start with what you're doing. Maybe I'm, 
calling the right stuff, but for whatever reason, I'm not able to convey my message to the team to get them to do what they need to do. So, yeah, that's for sure on Kyle. But um, yesterday you brought up something really interesting to me. You were talking about um, Trey Lance's confidence and how um, the coaches may be ruining it, or I don't know if ruin is the right word, but making it a little shaky. And that's really interesting to me. Like, to me, that's kind of, I don't want to say a red flag, but that's kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, That's a concern to me. If he's losing confidence, because to me, like, I feel like, I feel like confidence should be kind of an internal thing. Like you should be confident in who you are and your ability, especially with his resume. I mean, he had a he had a lot of confidence to like if I'm correct me if I'm wrong but there weren't a lot of schools that wanted him to play quarterback in college and he pre- he pretty much believed in himself to play quarterback and kind of just stuck with it and look, look where he's at now and so I mean I feel like that's a confidence thing for him and like the other thing too is I mean look how much we've invested into him I mean he's the third overall pick and so I mean. To me, that says clearly the team believes in you if you're drafted that high. And not not only did they draft him that high, but, you know, we traded two or three first-round picks to get you here. So they really wanted you here. So, like, when I hear his confidence is wavering or whatever, that's kind of uh, a – that sounds kind of weird to me. Especially because, yeah. like, if – um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I hear you. Like, you don't want that. What, what I'm saying is, and kind of what I was trying to allude to is, the this new generation of kids are different. So I yeah. think with us growing up, it's like you want somebody to have confidence no matter what the situation is. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with this younger generation is, it's not so much that they don't have confidence in themselves. It's that they can, it, they can take it as you don't have confidence in them. And, oh, okay. and I think, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, so, you know, I always talk about with my son, like if you just hear my son talks, he, talk, he has a ton of confidence in himself. But if I come off a certain way, the first thing he thinks is, man, you always, like, you you never think, you know, I don't do this or I don't do that or I don't do things good enough. And like, that's how this younger generation thinks. So when you get on them about certain things, they believe they can do it, but they will, right away start to lose confidence that you feel like they can do it. And I think that's what can hurt some of these guys. So when you think of Trey Lance, it's like, you know, man, you know, the first week, first two weeks, like, man, I'm, I'm hitting, I'm, I'm, I'm balling. Like I'm doing this. I'm hitting this throw, drive throws, deep balls, like over and over. And everybody's asking the media, damn, this young kid's balling. When is he going to play? When is he going to get first team reps? And the first thing the coach does is shoot it down and say, well, He'll get first team reps when I feel like he gives us the best chance to win or if he's ready for that and he's not ready for that. Like when, you know, and like Kyle kept saying that over and over, like, no, he'll get first team reps when blah, 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 blah. Instead of being like, you know what? He's heading in that direction. You know, uh, there there may come a time soon when we start to, you know, get him those reps and see if he takes that next step. Yeah, yeah. Instead of wording it like that, Kyle just consistently shot it down. And I, yeah. I think that can hurt anybody's confidence, right? When, you know, you're at any job and it's like, man, I'm doing everything that they're asking me to do. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Obviously, there's things I need to improve on. But damn, like, why is he, why is the, every time the manager, every time the supervisor talks about me, 
is that I'm not doing a good enough job. And I think that's the part where it probably could be, I don't even want to say lose confidence, but extremely frustrating for a young guy. And unfortunately, these young kids, they're just going to take it that way. And and I'm not saying, maybe that's not the case with him, but I, I've been around enough, enough of these young guys to understand that's how they think. But Josh, I, I appreciate you coming on. I got to get the last caller on my guy, Jamal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Here we go. Jamal, what up, man? Oh, no, you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yeah, gotcha. Okay, cool. I'll go without the head today. So I have some questions and um, a little exercise I want to do with you in regard to the 49ers leadership void. Um, a couple a couple callers back, you kind of talked about it a little bit, and I kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit more. Um, but uh, so I have a couple questions I want to answer, and I kind of want to go through it with you. You can push back if you don't like it as well, too. So um, first question I want to look for is who are the 49ers leaders? Um, who do we feel can get in someone's face and demand better from them? And then my third point before I jump in is I don't feel that the 49ers have any assholes on the roster. And as we go through this, I will describe what I think that means. Um, so the 49ers leaders that come to mind and you can push, you can push back against this, but I'll go through it and you can push back if you don't like certain things. So when I think of the 49ers and the leaders and the, the talent that we have on this team, one of the first ones that comes to mind is Trent Williams. I think he's the best left tackle in the league, more of a lead by example type of guy, in my opinion, who does his job at the highest level. And he doesn't strike me as someone who is like a rah-rah type of guy, like not a major rah-rah type of guy, but he's a leader that does his job to the best of his ability. Um, and that's that's where I say he's a lead by example. Do you agree, disagree, want any yeah. pushback? I, I, I can agree with that. He doesn't come off as like a vocal leader. I think he's somebody who's kind of just that – that that veteran uh mm -hmm. that you know he's the veteran he's going to do his job he's going to do it at a high level you've got to watch the way that he prepares if you ask him a question he he'll probably tell you but he's more so worried about him and doing his job so he is more of a lead by example right watch how i do these things and there are a lot of other guys that are leaders like that as well yep 100 percent. okay so we agree on that one the next one that comes to mind to me and i'll go through i'll try to do this quickly so we don't take forever but oh, the next good. one that comes to mind to me Okay, it's George Kittle. In my opinion, I think he's very clearly the second best player on this team after Trent Williams. Uh, this season to me, I don't think he's been the same happy-go-lucky type of guy that he's been. Obviously, in my opinion, that's because he's been missing due to injury in recent weeks. Um, I do think in some ways you could say he's a vocal leader in some ways. And he has at times said things like, I need to play better. And I've seen him take up for the team sometimes after big losses. But I do still still think like in general, he'd like to defer his leadership or to defer leadership in general to the QB and head coach. That's kind of how I view it with George Kittle. Thoughts? Yeah. You know, unfortunately, George Kittle, he's been the best player on this team for a couple years now. And he is kind of the face of the team. I think mm -hmm. when you think of San Francisco 49ers, uh, you know, George Kittle is one of the first people that you think of, whether it's you've seen him on commercials or right. when he's on shows like Good Morning Football. You know, he's usually the guy that's kind of the spokesman for mm -hmm. what's going on with the roster and the quarterback situation and things like that. So, you know, is he just the vocal leader on the field? I'm not sure, but he is a guy that seems like he's very motivating, gets guys going. Now, he might do it in a different way. It could mm -hmm. be with jokes. It could be with conversation, but he seems to be very engaging with a lot of his teammates. And he's another guy, I think, that kind of 
but he's a little bit more ex by example with you got to watch how he moves watch how he does things you know the conversation things like that and if you can prepare at the level that he does then obviously you'd be a better football player right agreed to that and i think what for him one of the bigger things for him in terms of his leadership style is the energy that he brings to the team and they can kind of feed off of that uh the next one that comes to mind for me is debo samuel but I don't see him as like a major leader on this team. I think that for me, he's kind of the epitome of lead by example. He shows up, he does his job to the best of his ability. I don't think he's a shy person or anything like that, but he does seem, seem to be a man of few words when it comes to the media thoughts. Yeah. I think you're spot on with that. Like, I don't, I don't think that Debo is set out to be the leader, right? No. Like, I, I don't think that's what's on his mind. I think what's on his mind is, you know, going out, being as productive as he can be, you know, being a good football player. And when he leaves, you know, put on his Balenciagas and his Gucci. Exactly. And his, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's tripping on nothing else. It's like, man, I'm going out. I'm going to do my job. And if he does that, then obviously the 49ers, it can help uh, lead to wins. But I don't think he's the guy that's going to jump out and be like, rah, 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 you know, right. that type of guy. Right. That's just not him. Agreed 100%. So um, I got a couple more. So I got Fred Warner up next. I think he's grown to be more of a leader since joining the 49ers, but he's still, to me, more of a lead by example type of guy. He will tell you, he'll go to the postgame pressers and say he needs to play better. He could have been in, in position to make a better play, things like that. But I personally question how much he demands for his teammates to also do better. Like, I don't think he's going to get in somebody's face and say, yo, like, that's not going to fly. We can't be doing that. I'm holding you to this standard. Maybe he holds him to a standard, but I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I still don't think he's an asshole. He's not going to get up in your yeah. ass back. And he doesn't come off as that. And and something like that, and I see somebody say, Debo's 24, it's hard for him to tell a 30-plus-year-old man what to do. I think a lot of these guys, it's not even so much about the 30-plus right. man. It's, it's about the younger guys getting them to understand what's at stake. You know, I watched this video one time of CJ, CJ uh, Charles James. And if you remember back, uh, the Houston Texans uh, uh, training camp, hard mm -hmm. knocks he was heavily involved in that right he was heavily involved in this and there was one clip that either came from that or just a, cl a clip that eventually uh went viral and it was him right. telling the younger guy it was an undrafted guy like bruh you got to stop busting coverages now the the younger guy had some things to say but he was trying to get him to stand like bruh if you don't do your effing job like, mm -hmm. we're both going to be out of a job like you got to understand what's at stake here like if you messing up, it's going to look like I'm messing up and we both going to be out of here. And I'm not letting that happen. Like, do the 49ers have that guy? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I don't I don't think that Fred Warner is that guy. I think Fred Agreed. Warner is a, like, I'll break the huddles. You know, hey, let's go, everybody. Let's ball out today. Let's get it mm -hmm. going. You know, right. I heard about him at the game, going to the fans. Let's go get the fans into it. But is he the guy that's just going to get in somebody's face? Like, bruh. Like, listen to what I'm telling you. Just shut up. Listen. Right. You right. got to do this. You got to do that. I saw Charles James do it, and he was an undrafted guy trying to make a roster. Do the 49ers have one of their star guys that are able to lead, uh, do that? I don't I don't know if it's Fred Warner. <laughs> right. Yeah. Some of these guys. Well, I'll hold that point. I'll hold that point. So the next person I have, Jimmy Ward. He's the longest tenure 49er. And in my opinion, yeah, he's definitely earned a lot of cachet, respect in that locker room. I think he is a voice of leadership in the, in that room as well. Um, I think he might quietly be one of the bigger leaders on this team, to be honest, especially because of his playing style and his ability at the safety position. 
to line guys up in the right position. He's a communicator out on the field. He does help get people's lined up in the right spots. You know, obviously he was out hurt last week. Koski taught as well too. And that showed up on the field, in my opinion. Thoughts on that one? Yeah. Um, Jimmy Ward reminds me a lot of myself when I was out there. Excuse me. Uh, he's a guy that is, is going to talk trash to opposing players, you know, but he's kind of like this quiet leader. And I think he is somebody who will tell you like, you know, what to look for, you know, or things that he's seeing and things like that. But again, I don't think he's a guy that's going to get in a guy's face. And I know I wasn't that guy. I, again, I'm turned up on the field. I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking trash to, to players. Like you ain't going to do this. You ain't going to do that. I'm not backing down from nobody, but I also wasn't a guy that was like, Hey man, if you ain't doing like, I just wasn't that guy. And I don't think he is either, but I do think they look to him as a leader because like you said, he is, you know, the longest tenured 49er player right now. Yeah, hundred percent. And then right after that comes Kwaski Tart and I can keep that one short and simple. I do think he's a quiet lead by example type guy. I've never viewed him as a vocal leader. That doesn't necessarily mean he isn't, but I've never viewed him that way. You? Yeah. Mm, nah. I couldn't say that. Okay. And then obviously I've left one person out. I'm sure everyone's questioning why I haven't talked about the guy, the quarterback, right? Right. Garoppolo. So I don't know if I can answer this one, but in my opinion, when I view, view Garoppolo as of right now, I think he's one foot in the door, one foot out. I've seen him week after week kind of continue to parrot the same old, you know, we just have to execute better. He says that statement week in and week out in the press conference. He knows he's on borrowed time with this team. Obviously they just spent, you know, the draft capital to go get Trey Lance. And so for me, but the question I have with Garoppolo, what is the buy-in from for him to be the vocal leader from his yeah. vantage point? I don't think there is any, to be honest. It ain't there. And that's something not that, you know, they're going to have to figure out, uh, how to get that, you know, even for Trey Lance. I would have liked, again, some of this is hindsight, but I do think it would have been nice to see Trey Lance get started, you know, early on and start to get the guys to rally around him and him become that leader because it's almost impossible for Jimmy to do it. Like you said, right. one foot in, one foot out. He's pretty much on his way out. They, they asked him about Odell Beckham, and he was just like, uh... You know, I'm like the guys that we got here, guys in the locker room, like you know, like it's like yeah. man, this dude, he he's he's gonna be gone. So exactly, there is one guy that you didn't mention that I wonder how much how much of a leader he is, and there might be a guy that people don't think of. All right, Kyle Yushek. Nope. Who? One more guess. I'll give you one more guess. When we don't think of Sanu. Nope. Which he probably is like a leader amongst the receivers, right? Of the of, receivers. To be in that vet, how he does things, you know, his oh, is it Josh Norman and stuff like that. Nope, not even Josh Norman. I don't know. You got to tell me. Lakin Tomlinson. Oh, he's one. Of the, he's like a nasty office alignment. Like he's aggressive. He's physical. He's been with the 49ers. He started with them when they weren't good. He's right. also been on the team through the Super Bowl year and obviously you know, clearly beyond. He has co continuously played well. Um, right. I, I, I need I think to pay him. <laughs> when I think of office alignment, I think he is kind of that guy that is, you know, just when you look at how he plays and the mindset, being around good, bad, all that, he's somebody that I think he could grab somebody and, and talk. And hey, man, like, come on. Like, you know, I don't know if he is that guy, but I do think that he is someone that could potentially be the guy that the 49ers really need to that, that leader to step up and be that, 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 
not even just a motivator, but just hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. He's been there, done that. He was a first round pick. He had a falling out with Detroit or whoever it was. Um, you know, didn't play to the, you know, raise his game as a 49er, been there through the good, the bad. Right. I think he's a guy, he at the very least has more incentive to be that guy than maybe anybody else in that on that offense or just really in that line. And just with how offensive linemen are, right. I think he could be that guy. I don't know if he is, but that's one guy I would I like that actually. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do some more research on that, but I do like where you're going with that. I also think we should pay him this offseason. Obviously, he's gonna be a free agent. 29. I think a nice two to three year deal. He's worth, I think he's worth it. I think he's also earned it, but I'm going to look more into Lakin Thompson because I did not think of him. Yeah. Uh, see people talk, talk, you know, Link is a dog. He is a dog. Pretty damn good. He's dope. Yeah. So everybody likes him. Yeah. He's kind of what you will, you want your draft picks to turn out to, right? Like he's grown so much since joining the 49ers and now he's a solid contributor to this team and starter that, like you just said, he should be able to hold people accountable. But just to close up, just to wrap up right there on Garoppolo, I wrote a quote here that I thought, and I think it just ties up Garoppolo this season. I think his leadership at this point is just whatever Kyle says. I agree with that. We'll go with whatever Kyle says. That kind of <laughs> is what it is, right? Yeah. It sounds stupid, but I think I think it kind of yeah, is. Yeah, that's real. It yeah. that. So as we continue through with this, the 49ers do have talented top-end players on this team. We've just mentioned a lot of those guys. And I do think Brandon IU can become that one day, but he's still growing. He's not there yet. Kyle Juszczyk, I haven't mentioned him, but I think he's also a really top-end best fullback in the league still, in my opinion. Anyway, you get the point. There's high-end talent on this team. Yeah. What the 49ers do lack is that dog mentality mentality leader who I believe requires, not just says it, requires the absolute best out of his team. Ray Lewis, right? Like, you Thank know, you, Ray Lewis, the Patrick Willis is. Yeah. The guys, and, and that's that's what I'm about to get to next. So sometimes it comes in the form of your best player. If it's Patrick Lewis, that dude's one of the most talented linebackers we've ever seen in the middle of the defense, and he's a leader. So if it comes from a guy like that, guys are going to rally behind that guy Yeah, probably 99% of the time. Whereas I don't think it always has to come from your best player, though. So I'm a Laker fan. I know we've got a lot of uh, Golden State Warriors fans up in here. I'm pretty sure you're I'm a Laker, I'm a Laker fan, too. Right? too. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure a lot of people don't like that. They don't like to hear that. It's a Niners page. But at the same time, I'm going to I'm going to make them happy because I actually want to talk about the Golden State Warriors. And I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) So let's take a look at their teams. So over the past decade, you can say 10 to 13 seasons. The Warriors have had some of the best. They get on you in the comments because you said you said Patrick Lewis on accident. So but but I know what you meant. You meant Patrick Willis. But you had said Patrick Lewis on accident. So they're giving you a hard time. Oh, I said Patrick Lewis. Yeah, I meant Patrick Willis. My yeah, bad, Because I had mentioned Ray Lewis, and then you were talking about Patrick, Patrick Willis, Lewis. and then you kind of combined it. But, yeah. Hey, that'd be that a fine linebacker, though. We yeah, that'd be the perfect leader. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so, yeah. If we're talking about the Warriors, obviously, they've had Steph Curry. He's one of their vocal leaders. They've been really good over the past 10 to 13 years. And they've had some teams that are going down as the greatest teams, arguably, in history. You know, um, top-end talent, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. We probably don't even really need to mention it. Draymond Green, Iguodala. You can throw in me. I could go play center for them during those years, and they still win a championship. Right. And that's not me whatsoever. So, obviously, they've had top-end talent. But I do want to focus on the Draymond Green. I think a, a caller was saying this just a few, a few minutes ago as well. Draymond's not the most talented guy on that team. That's always been Steph, Durant, Clay, But I do think Dre has always clearly been the vocal leader of that team over right. these years. He's pl- played with the guys of Steph, Clay, Durant. Those guys are supremely talented guys 
also really, really, really competitive. And they demand much from their teammates. Usually when you're great, you demand a lot from your teammates as well, too. But with Dre, I think he's the same way. He's called players only meetings. He's put players in the right position defensively. He's told players what to do on certain offensive possessions. And he's fired teammates up on the sidelines as well when, when they've needed it. He's that He knows how to be that spark, whatever it may be, on the field or on the court, off the court. He gets his teammates, and I think he gets the most out of them. I think he's been so competitive and demanding that at times, you know, sometimes it crosses the line. There's been incidents where, you know, he's kicked players in the balls. He's got suspended during big series. He's called his teammates out of name. We know what he's called Kevin Durant. He's got asshole in him. I mean, tr- yeah. truthfully, he's got asshole in him. But the guys who've played with him have always said that they respect him, even Kevin Durant, because he never meant any harm. And the dude always wanted to win. Yeah. So in my opinion, what I'm really getting at is he's a leader who's always required the absolute best out of his teammates. But here's the key point. It's always been at whatever talent level that they had. So what I'm saying is he requires the best from all of his teammates, Steph all the way down the line to the 12th person at whatever talent level you have, he requires the best out of you. And he never requires something out of a teammate that he doesn't require for himself. So it's not that he's trying to say, you need to do all this. And and he's going to be, you know, sitting there on the sideline. Not at all. He's always working hard. He's always super competitive. He's uber competitive himself as well, too. And I think right now he is the type of gritty, got it out of the mud type of leader that the Warriors have benefited from over the years. The 49ers could use that right now. Right. Yeah. Um, he's always talking to coaches. Ooh, hold on. Um, yeah, he talks to coaches. He, called, he talks to his opponents, his teammates. He's just always talking because he's a vocal leader. And in my opinion, it's one of his underrated parts of being, you know, a member of the, of the Warriors, that impact it shows it's not shown in the box score. You know, he's never, he's never been a box score stuffer. He might get seven points and 12 rebounds and and five assists. You know, he does whatever it takes for his team to win, but that extra impact of, you know, firing up his teammates, that's, that's not in the box score, but he's a major leader like that. And I think, you know, as much as people don't like it or they don't want to talk about it because this player was injured a lot. I do think that that's exactly the type of leadership that Quan Alexander brought to the 49ers when he was here, a passionate leader, always talking, firing up his teammates, even when he wasn't on the field, you know, he'd be on the sidelines talking with Fred, you know, he created a swagger in that linebacker room. We're talking, we talked about the hot boys. Um, And I personally believe he had, probably the biggest impact on Fred Warner's leadership style now and how it's improved to where it is. It's not the same as Quan's, but I do think he probably had the biggest impact in empowering Fred to be the leader that he is now. That's kind of my thoughts and opinions on that. Um, I think sometimes people make fun of the guy that's really passionate um, and sometimes over the top, but I would always say I'd always rather have a guy that's cares too much rather than caring too little. I know right. I've kind of gone on a little rant here, but your thoughts no, on you're that? good. And and I mean the leadership thing that's been a big uh part mm-hmm. of the conversation right now that's going on with the 49ers. How do they right. improve that? How do they fix that? Do they got the right guys in the building to be that guy? And they're gonna need that. They're gonna need that moving forward right. to get out of this rut that they're in. Because again, I do think that they have the guys, I think they have the potential to be a good football team, but right now, for whatever reason, they're not getting those results. And they gotta figure right. out how. I think it starts with leadership. Who, who do they look for? You know, who do they look to for that type of leadership? I'm not sure they got the guys right now, but I guess we'll find out, man. We'll find out. 
Right. And that's the question. Like you just said, we'll find out. Maybe they have maybe someone will step up. Obviously, we're three and five right now. If we don't win this game, we're three and six. Maybe someone will step up. And truthfully, maybe it's maybe Lance will be that guy whenever he gets in. You know, right. it's possible. But um, yeah, at this point in time, I don't think we have that leadership. I do think that that's an underrated leadership style that is missing from this team. We got a lot of nice guys based off of what we've seen. And if we just want to use a sm- another small example, we could say the same thing about Tom Brady. He's an asshole. His teammates will tell you he's an asshole. But it's been one of the underrated things and being able to light a fire under his teammates, knowing how to relate to to different teammates. Tom's almost, what, 45 years old now? Yeah. And he's found ways to relate to a 24-year-old. Like, he, he, he knows how to demand more from people, but he also demands it from himself as well. So I just kind of think we're missing that leadership style. We could use that right now. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Well, we'll see eventually who who kind of grows to be that person. And sometimes it grows with time. We'll see right. if Fred Warner ultimately ends up being that guy, but uh, we'll see, man. But I appreciate, I appreciate you coming it. on, Jamal. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. All right, here we go. And I appreciate everybody that tuned in to the show. Shout out to everybody with that left of contributions. Had some big ones today. That was awesome. If you're new to the show, if you've liked this, if you want to contribute to the show every morning, we're here, well, Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. Pacific, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You know, we went longer today, two hours, longer than usual. It's usually about an hour and a half. Uh, but uh, I appreciate everybody that stuck around for the whole thing. Mama Crocky, you know, my wife, she came on talking about what it's like to be married to somebody that's obsessed with sports, with football, with the 49ers. And I'm pretty sure all of you watching right now, you are too. So, again, if you like it, subscribe, hit that like button. Underdog Fantasy, we're going to keep that money coming. All right. And, uh I think we out of here, man. Appreciate everybody that uh came through. Oh, you guys can find this on any any uh, uh Apple Pod, Spotify, whatever you listen to podcast. This will be on that as well. So it's not just the YouTube form of it. Make sure you guys, if you haven't already, listen to Locked On 49ers. We just had a great episode with uh, you know, obviously myself, my guy Brian Peacock, and we brought on Benjamin Solak, who talked about the whole Kyle Shanahan thing, his uh kind of path as a coach and and his decision making and things like that great episode go listen to that right now man but until next time i'll see y'all man peace intercepted it is picked up by eric roger over midfield he'll run it all the way into the end zone touchdown cross talk tv podcast podcast.